Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And that is launched out to deep left field. Big fly for Mike Trout. This is ground ball to second base. Red Heeple falls down, picks it up, fires the first. The Angels have no hit. The Seattle Mariners. It's gone. Big fly for Anthony Rendon. Hey guys, I'm Alex Curry. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. Brendan Marsh. This is Chris Rodriguez. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And welcome to another edition of the All Angels Podcast. I am Dan Garcia, and my next guest is a returning guest. Uh, a lot of you know him from his information he has on Twitter about the Angels baseball team, minor league Angels. Um, but now he's able to add another thing to that resume, and that's author. Uh, I'd like to welcome Taylor Blake Ward. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, buddy. Good to chat with you again. How are you doing? Doing great. So like I mentioned, you have a new book out. We're going to get to that in a, in a minute. I do want to talk about that because that's something that I've known that you've been working on for a while. So I can't wait to hear from that. But first things first, like I mentioned, uh, you're just in tune to all the angel stuff as anyone out there. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the season that just passed. You know, obviously the World Series is going on. So the 2021 season is still kind of fresh. But for a guy that follows the Angels minor league system as close as you do, how surprised were you to see as many young you know, let's just be frank, arms come up and, you know, do do well or, or at least, you know, uh, respectable. You know, I, I mean, I think Chris Rodriguez, for those that had seen him, there wasn't a lot of surprise. We knew that the stuff was major league ready. It's just how uh, how's the mentality. And we all know that Chris is, you know, mentally tough. But the difference between high A and, and being injured for a year and, and major leagues is a very big leap. And so it wasn't necessarily so surprising um reed detmers obviously you know what he was showing uh in double a and, and even in, in louisville you know um louisville to uh not instructional league but um the alternate site to double a i mean very impressive and it was kind of expected that he would be up possibly by september so you know a little earlier than that um you get into those arms that were there late in the season all rule five eligible guys and i feel like it was a little bit more of a tryout basis and, and we saw some things. I think the most impressive thing was um Austin Warren and Andrew Wance. Um, you know, two guys that if you have seen them pitch uh any level, you understand that these are guys that are kind of fringy 40th man kind of guys and just just give them a chance. And we saw what Austin Warren did. I mean, I, you know, Austin could have arguably been the second best reliever on the Angels staff this year and Andrew obviously held his own. Um, so very impressive to see what those two guys did out of the bullpen and, and very happy for them because they're guys that kind of go, I'm not going to say neglected, but you know, you're never going to see them in a, in a ranking system and, and myself included, you know, I, I gotta be honest, you know, I never ranked them in the top 30. They were always in that conversation, but never, um, guys that I ranked or guys that I necessarily called prospects and, and very happy for them. You know, that's the kind of thing that you like to see as guys that that you missed or or you skipped over for some reason 
Um, and then, you know, the guys that came up in September is exciting for them and, and they got their chance to be major leaguers. And, and who knows, you know, maybe the organization does see something that, that keeps them on the 40 man through the winter and gives them a chance in the next season. You talked about, you know, wants and, and Warren and, and those guys kind of go back for me a little more to, for myself. Cause you know, you've seen them at Inland empire. They were there for a while. So they're, they're homegrown guys. Um, you know, talk about Austin real quick. What is it that worked for him, do you feel, this season? Because like you mentioned, he did really, really well and got put into a real tough situation to begin with, with the bases loaded against, uh, I believe, like uh, Olsen from the A's. You know, just it's simplified. It's throw strikes and trust your stuff. And, and that's what he's done every time you see him is um, this is a guy that, that trusts that he can go out there and compete. and He can find the corners of the zone. His slider or his breaking ball is a real weapon to – uh, induce weak contact or even be a swing and miss offering. And, and, you know, what I saw this year from Austin was not what I saw in high A. He's obviously improved, which is really what you want to see. You don't want to see a high A arm up in the major leagues. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's a guy that trusts his stuff and, and knows what he's doing to attain out. And I think that Perry Manassian used a term that we, we hear about power arm and, you know, big arsenal and uh, strike thrower. Austin Warren is an outgetter, and I love that term. He's an outgetter, even if he's a reliever, and that's a very important thing to have. And, and you just got to credit Austin for and, and Andrew. You know, Austin and Andrew. I feel like we put them in the same sentence. So you know, Austin Warren, Andrew wants. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, how many of those guys do you realistically see as a chance of making the opening day roster in twenty two? Um, you know, I depending on what they do on the off season. Um, it could be some, it could be none. I think that Austin has definitely established himself and shows that he kind of belongs. Even if he is the last man in the bullpen, he is a good last man to have. Um, that's kind of a guy that you want. I think Andrew still has some growing pains, but I think he would stick on the 40 man. Um, Packy Naughton is a guy I could, I could see on the 40 man. I think Jonathan Diaz and, uh, and Kyle Tyler are probably the guys that are odd men out. I don't think Packy would be on the opening man uh, opening day roster, but I'm sure he'd be on the 40 man still. Um, Reed and Chris, obviously very much guys that have a chance of cracking the opening day roster. Um, I'm trying to think if I missed anyone there. Um, Packy Naughton is a guy I could see as a long man on this roster, um, depending on what they do over the winter. Um, I think that, Jonathan Diaz and, and Kyle Tyler and guys like that. Um, probably not. Probably not. Um, Elvis Peguero, I know that he got a very small sample with Jose Marte. I think Jose Marte starts in the minors. I think Elvis uh, does too, but I think he gets added to the 40-man. Jansen Junk is going to be an interesting one. Um, I think because of the options, they're going to see him as a back-end guy. But, you know, Chris Rodriguez, Reed Detmers, I think they're clearly in the running. I think Patrick Sandoval has very much established himself as a major league starter. So, you know, a lot of young arms. It's just uh, kind of what you do over the winter when it comes to pitching, because obviously that's going to be their priority. And and you so more than really anyone I, I talked to, because you've been following the Angels for so long now. How do you feel about the minor league system? Like a lot of these guys, like you mentioned, going to be like in the minors to start off the season, but just kind of adding to that overall pos uh, position depth in the organization. Is this like the strongest, like core, not core, but like uh, uh, young pitchers that the Angels have had in a while? Kind of. Um, I think you're still missing 
the impact guys. I think you have the depth. I think you still need the impact though. I think obviously Reed, uh, Reed and Chris are at the top of the chart there. And you've got Davis Daniel who is close. I'm not sure how close that's going to be, but a guy that is close um, and just guys kind of along those lines, but I, I still, I think there needs to be a little bit more impact. You definitely have some arms, especially after this last draft, Sam Bachman, um, you know, guys along those lines, but it's just going to be a little bit tricky to kind of see what they do in their pro careers to kind of establish themselves. Even a guy like Landon Marceau, a third round pick, there's a lot of questions about, you know, does he have the velocity? Does Are these things there? So you're waiting for those impact players to kind of come forth, even now the top of the chart prospects, you know, Jeremiah Jackson, Jordan, Dan, uh, Jordan Adams, they didn't have the greatest of years. Um, so you kind of want to see that impact kind of come into play. I mean, I love Kyron Paris. I think he's an impact player. I think Errol Vera is working his way there. Um, but I still want to see a little bit more impact before I, I, I'm a firm believer in this farm system. You know, you, you talk about some of the infield minor leaguers like Paris and Jackson. And, you know, with the big club, one of the questions they have to go looking forward now into the season or the next season is that pos- position of shortstop. You know, obviously, there's a lot of free agent out there, big names, you know, very productive shortstops out there. But does do you feel like these guys, Jackson and Paris, can be there in, you know, three years? So maybe they don't get a guy for a five or six year contract. Yeah, I, I would question that a little bit. I mean, it's very challenging to find a shortstop, a solidified shortstop in this game. And that's probably the second toughest position to find outside a catcher. I mean, how many how many good catchers are there in MLB right now? There's not a lot. <laughs> right. um, and I don't mean that with disrespect, but it's like, you know, we look at Will Smith. We look at Martin Maldonado. You know, the teams that are in this World Series run, Travis Darno. um, Heck, I don't even know who Boston's catcher is. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to be honest. It, shortstops are very hard to find. So if you find a guy like Jose Iglesias who you trust, uh, you know, Jose didn't work out, but finding an actual shortstop is tough. I don't know about Errol Vera and Jeremiah Jackson if they're going to stay at shortstop long-term, and the shift is going to change a few things when it comes to that. But three years, yeah, there's a possibility. But at the same time, when you have established guys like Corey Seager and Carlos Correa on the open market, you've got to at least explore it. I'm not saying you got to pull the trigger and spend hundreds of millions of dollars, but you've got to explore that option at a minimum. So another another guy to make his much-anticipated debut in, tw- in 21, uh, Brandon Marsh um, played a lot of center field, played really good center field. What did you see from him this season, and were you at surprise, or was he kind of what you thought he would be when he came up? Exactly what I thought. I mean, this is a kid that uh, hasn't necessarily had a, a standard development because of injuries. Um, he's done well every stop of the way, and you have to kind of find your struggles. And, and for a guy that hasn't necessarily struggled in the minors, we had this conversation about Joe last year. You know, you, you don't want your struggles to come at the major league level. Um, and he he had minimal struggles, but they weren't anything serious. And I think that's kind of what you expect with with Brandon is. He's just a well-rounded player. He knows how to hit. He's a very gifted defender who still has work to do. I mean, you saw him overrun some balls. Um, nothing, you know, it's not like it costs the Angels anything. But you want to see him refine a little bit, and that's expected of a rookie. But, you know, this is still a guy that 
that has all-star upside. And we saw parts of that, you know, like you said, center field defense was fantastic. There's a little bit of refinement. He would overrun a few balls, but you know, you're not really concerned about his defense and his offense picked up. Um, you want to see a bit more power production. I mean, he, he kind of got beat up on a few plays in Baltimore, if I'm remembering right. But, you know, this is definitely a guy that I think what we saw is a little bit of what we can expect when it comes to Brandon Marsh. And he's definitely going to be a talented baseball player. It's just, you know, the the Juan Sotos and Ronald Acuna's of, of our time, the Fernando Tatisas don't come around every now right. and then. Sometimes it does take a little bit of time. And this is a guy that, you know, it's going to take time, but we're already seeing – what is possible? We, we went through this kind of same thing with Joe last year where, where Joe didn't really have the time uh, that we expected. But I think Brandon's definitely going to be a special player. And I have little doubt about that. And you kind of mentioned Joe and it seems like once he got brought up and him and Brandon and like obviously Angel fans know their relationship. It's all over, you know, how they talk about it and the Angels talk about it. But it just seemed like Joe was playing with with a different kind of passion than he was last year. That could have been, you know, having Brandon there, having fans there. But, you know, Joe seemed to take some major steps this year from last year. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked to Brandon about this. I, I actually asked Brandon about this directly. I said, you know, it, with Joe being there, has it helped you? Because when you look at when Joe arrived, Brandon's numbers really spiked. So the two of them, there's a comfort level. And it's not that, you know, no one was welcoming to these two guys. They were very welcomed in the clubhouse. But having that that familiarity and that level of kind of internal competition, you know, these guys want to be the best for each other, maybe not against each other, but for each other. Uh, And we definitely saw that. And when it comes to Joe, Joe is a little bit the player that that he wants to be. I, I think, you know, it, obviously I'm a big Billy Epler guy. I, I thought Billy Epler was fantastic. I thought that what his plans were for the future were really great. But one thing that, that kind of didn't get to be shown during Billy's tenure is guys playing to their own strengths and playing to their capabilities. And I feel like Joe got that chance this year. Uh, and we saw what Joe is. You know, Joe is a guy that's going to, probably strike out a little bit. We we saw the numbers, the the advanced numbers drastically change, both defensively and offensively. He struck out less. He walked more. Um, the power production stayed very similar. The contact rate came up. And when you get a guy that, that can trust that he's going to run into the home runs as opposed to trying to just swing for the fences and send it to, to Pomona, uh, this is a guy that knows what he's doing. So I, I think that Joe is – still progressing and he's 22 years old now 20 i mean he's still a kid he's a young pup we're seeing a lot of things that are positives with joe adele that are going to come to fruition over the next five years we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge on symbol you can trade stock teams like stocks and earn money every time they win use your sports knowledge on symbol to buy low sell high and earn cash payouts every time your team wins. Join the over 7,000 early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Just visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you put deposit, make sure you use promo code SD. Again, that's promo code SD to make your deposit risk-free. Again, visit symbol.com, use promo code SD, and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams now. 
So obviously that was the Angels last year in 2020. Something that you have just come out with, something that you're very excited about is your book that you wrote, um, In Search of Millionaires, The Life of a Baseball Gypsy. So kind of talk about what's this book about, who you wrote it with, and just the kind of the process behind it. Absolutely, man. Uh, you know, I got a text from Tim Mead, the former director of uh, media relations and the former president of the Baseball Hall of Fame. And he says, hey, I've got this guy you got to meet. He's working on a project. I said, sure. And this is uh, Bobby Fontaine Jr. Bobby was the scouting director for the Angels, amateur scouting director for the Angels uh, from the late 80s to the late 90s. Um, you know, he, he brought into the organization a lot of very talented baseball players. Uh, a mix of Tim Salmon, Darren Erstad, Garrett Anderson, Troy Percival. Um, and that's just the Angels. You know, he's with the Padres before that, uh, the Expos, the White Sox, uh, the Seattle Mariners are a part of this. There's a lot of baseball history involved from about the early 70s all the way to the late 2000s that are things that are behind the scenes that, that you never know about. The scouting process of getting Tim Salmon, um, you know, the, the face of the Angels franchise up until Mike Trout. Um you know, being one of two guys at a showcase for a pitcher and just being able to offer without necessarily telling the general manager that you offered X amount of money to this player. Uh, and it turns out to be Francisco Rodriguez. Um, and the stories like that, it's a very interesting for me. It was like bedtime stories, you know, baseball bedtime stories that, you know, growing up in Southern California, a lot of us listen to Vince Scully and, when we were young, we'd listen to Vince Scully while we were falling asleep, and it was basically bedtime stories. That's what this is for me is you've got this the story of all these guys on the O2 Angels team that, that are historical figures in Anaheim, and you find out what they were like when they were in high school or, or college and the, and the process of bringing them into the Angels organization. It was a blast to write, man. I'm really excited it's out. It was a long process. Um, you know, Bob worked on this for – almost a decade and I worked on it for two years with them. Uh, and we're just ecstatic that this thing is out. It's really cool. I think people are going to really enjoy this. Um, it's something that not a lot of people get these in-depth looks as to how your favorite player came into the organization of your, your preference. Uh, you know, Bob signed Randy Johnson, uh, Tony Gwynn, Ozzie Smith, uh, and was the primary scout on these guys. So, the stories of Hall of Famers, the stories of Jim Abbott, you know, how, what commitment it took to, to take a one-handed pitcher uh, and trust that he would be a major league product. And not just that, but, but by the next season. Um, it, we're really excited, man. We're really excited about this book. You know, one of the names that popped out to me when I was reading through the title was, was Jim Abbott. Like you said, a one-handed pitcher. What, you know, for a scout, how does that not automatically turn you off? Uh, you know, going looking after a guy like, you know, obviously you kind of tell us here and there, but like, how was that? How did, you know, what was his mindset going and seeing a guy like Jim Abbott? You know, J Bob is very emotional about Jim. Jim is actually, you know, we talk about the hall of famers, but Jim is absolutely the story of success when it comes to Bob. He, and we were just on another show talking about this and Bob is so emotional about it, but Jim, um, you know, he, he pitched in the Olympics and, and Bob had heard about his talents through that case, but he'd never seen anything like this. Uh, no one had. And there was a lot of questions about Jim. So Bob went to go see Jim, uh, his first start of his junior season with Michigan. And it was in Texas and um, cold night. And, and Bob came away and said, look, the guys behind him are playing harder. There's no excuses. What excuse does Jim Abbott have that, that, that 
these guys do, you know, what, what shortstop can make an excuse when Jim Abbott is out there with one hand competing at the highest level possible. Um, The commitment of trust in Jim from Bob and the staff. I mean, even the staff, there was a lot of things that, uh, the scouting staff and the Angels organization necessarily didn't feel were, were right when it came to Jim Abbott. And, and a lot of people came out wrong um, with Bob and Bill Bavese being correct in this. Very interesting. Mike Port, a part of this, you know, a lot of people, uh, including Gene Autry, you know, Gene Autry asking him, he says, you know, hey, was this a birth defect or was this an incident? And when Bob said, you know, this is from birth, uh, you know, Gene Autry says, you know, you got my approval. Let's go. This is if this is the guy, this is the guy. So it took a lot of trust. Um, and Bob saw something that the gym was the highest level competitor. There was no excuses. And the teams played up behind him because of that reason. He was a complete leader, um, you know, by by the end of his career, maybe not necessarily when when Jim is 20, 21 years old and showing the leadership there. But but at the end of his career. Bob can sit there and say, look at this guy as an inspiration. Look at what he's done for, for baseball and, and for the youth of America saying, you don't have to be a LeBron James. You don't have to be uh, a Julio Jones. You have to be this freak athlete that, that's an insane, perfect body and, and, you know, this perfect athlete. You can have something that, that I, I don't want to say wrong. That's such a terrible word to say, but but you can have something that's un, that's unorthodox and have that faith and say, this is a guy that's going to find success. And Jim Abbott is absolutely one of the most remarkable parts of the book. One of the most repar- mo- remarkable parts of Bob's career. Um, and Jim, you know, you, you read through it and you, you gain such an appreciation for, for Jim. You know, I look at some of the names, like you mentioned, Ozzie Smith, Tony Gwynn, Randy Johnson, Jim Abbott, Tim Salmon. What was one that, stuck out to you where you're like, you just couldn't take it, like couldn't get enough of the stories of, of, of a certain player. For me personally, it was um, three guys and and they never made the majors. They actually never made it out of a single a ball, but it's Bob went to Russia when the Soviet union fell and and became Russia, him and Bill Bavese decided they were going to try and make Russia a prospect outlet. And Bob went to Russia to go chat, uh, to go find players, go find prospects, just athletes, whether it was tennis players that had a good swing or javelin throwers that could throw something. And he went and signed three guys. And I don't want to give too much away, but just the stories of being in Russia right after the Soviet union fell and finding these three guys. um, Absolutely incredible. Those, Those three guys, another guy, um, Johnny Jones, former Olympian, um, American hero and just the stories there. And, uh, you know, K-Rod, uh, that's one of the more interesting ones. Um, there's, there's a few, man. I mean, you know, Ozzy Smith by himself, you know, I'm a big Ozzy Smith fan and, and learning about that process of Ozzy Smith and, and having a guy that, that maybe you didn't believe was going to hit his way to the majors, but be a major league player because he was so gifted defensively. And then it turns out that Ozzy can hit enough at least to be an everyday player and become a hall of famer. There's things like that, but I got to say that the Russia segment of the book is emotional for me. Um, just writing through it, going through this process and talking to Bob about it, it was a nonstop. How did that work? How did this happen? You know, George Bush, the sitting president, is sending you a letter because of this. You're in the Wall Street Journal, your front page Wall Street Journal because of this and the impact that it had. Um, it's pretty amazing. 
so you know obviously if you you wrote and you written before stories articles about players or you know minor players or games or whatever but a book tell me the difference <laughs> it, you know between writing a, a recap of a, a prospect that you saw compared to a book that has stories on top of stories in it a little bit of this was uh, i had a little bit of a script um that i could work with because bob had been working on it um and the same could be said, you know, you, you have a little bit of a script when it comes to a prospect because you're writing down what you see in front of you. Um, you know, I, I can write down, but the fact that you are writing true to life stories that, that have endings, you know, beginnings and middles and endings, um, a prospect, you are writing the beginning of a projection sheet. Um, that's a tough question, man. I mean, the time and the, and the study that it goes into, um, you know, when you write about prospects, there's a lot of study involved. You have to, you have to know what you're talking about and to explain to the readers that, you know, this guy's fastball has bore. And if you can't explain bore or you just write that, it's a different deal with this book. You have to explain, I think when it comes to the readers more than anything, because if you're, if you're reading about a prospect, you have at least a form of interest for the most part, you know, 90% of them are going to have an understanding of what you're writing. When you're writing a book, you know, I, I would send the, the unedited chapters to my niece and she would say, what the heck is the Walla Walla Padres and why is he playing for the San Diego Padres? And it's like, ah, see, there's something I have to explain. So it's, it's for the common baseball fan, the educated baseball fan, the diehards. I mean, you know, we're going to have general managers that, that helped us with this, you know, with this book and, and they're going to be reading it and they've obviously they have a much larger understanding of the game than I do. But at the same time, you're going to have people that don't know squat about baseball, picking up this book and reading about it. So it's, it's that, that difference between writing for the common baseball fan and then insanely educated baseball fan and finding that balance and, and the time that it took. I mean, like I said, this was a, this was a long project, buddy, long <laughs> project. <laughs> But it also has I mean it, it makes it that much more rewarding once it's done and oh, print yeah. and you can actually physically hold it in your hands. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sadly, I think um, you know, we're going to get a handful of copies uh for ourselves, but I think if you ordered it, I think you're going to get it before we do. So oh. <laughs> I know, so I, I'm still waiting on my copy, but no, the the day that that's is sitting in my hands, um the emotion, you know, Bob and I have talked about. It. Bob wanted to do this for his kids. He wanted his kids to understand what, why he was missing birthdays and why he was missing t-ball games. And when we have that party with his kids and him and me and my wife and my dad and sitting there with a copy of the book in our hands, I don't know what I'm going to do, man. I might break down. I mean, genuinely, this was not something I expected. I always wanted to write a book. Um, when I started in this business, writing actually, I, I even touch on it in my author's note, writing was not a, something I envisioned doing by any means. Um, and the, the minute that I did, you know, the minute that I started working in baseball, I said, you know, I've got to put a book to something together. And now it's, it's a goal that's, uh, accomplished and it's remarkable, man. It's, uh, it's pretty moving. It's weird to, weird to say, and weird to, Except that this is uh, that this is finished, and now I I got to keep going. I got to keep moving on. Yeah, I got to get put more than just one out there. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you talked about how Tim Mead introduced you to Bob, but so you didn't know Bob ahead of that or before that. Uh, did you know him by name at least, or or was he just a totally new guy? I had heard the name. Um, 
I knew that he was involved with the angels at one point in his career. I knew I actually, I knew his dad or I'd heard of his dad. His dad was the general manager of the Padres. I think when they first started, I think he was the first general manager of the Padres. Uh, and he went on to work for the San Francisco giants. I'd heard of his dad. I, I had heard the name Bob Fontaine jr, but I didn't know who it was. And, um, Come to find out, we'd actually met twice before um, when I was working with the High Desert Mavericks because they were a Seattle affiliate. We'd we'd pass we'd cross paths a few times before, but no, I I, I genuinely did not know who this guy was. And we met at a coffee shop in my hometown here in Lake Arrowhead, and and he starts telling me about these things, and we start connecting on names that we've known for a long time: Pedro Griffol, um, Tim Mead, you know, a lot of the players for the Angels, obviously, and some executives that, that we knew. Um, over time, Perry Manassian, one of those guys, Bob worked with Perry uh, in the past. And, you know, for, for me, my introduction to Perry Manassian is, Hey, Bob Fontaine says his best wishes. And, and Perry says, how the heck do you know Bob Fontaine? <laughs> heck yeah, he's the best man. And um, no, it, it really was interesting to see the concept of, of who knew this guy and why didn't I know this guy? And and now Bob and I are, you know, we, we chat every day, regardless of book or not. Um, this is a good friend of mine and I'm very, very happy that, that Tim introduced us. We were able to meet this way. There had to be some point of like building trust though, since you didn't know him at all. How was that building trust of just, you know, he, you said he's been working on this for, you know, close to a decade and now he's handing not the reins over to you, but letting you take a big part of it. There had to be some kind of uh, trust built there. No. It, you'd have to ask him, man. I don't know why in the world he picked. Well, it's funny too. I mean, you know, the guys that he was mentioning that he knew in the business, Bill Shaken and Ross Newhan and Bob Nightingale. And I know that, you know, I, I know that Bob gets his flack for what he is, but Bob's one of the best guys in the business, regardless of if you, if you, how you view him. Um, right. And I'll, I'll stand by that forever. Bob Nightingale is one of the nicest people I've ever met in this business, but you know, it's like he's telling me, hey, you know, Ross Newham skipped over and recommended you. And Bill Shaken, I really like Bill Shaken. I like Mike D. Giovanna. I like, uh, you know, Bob Nightingale. And I'm sitting there just like, crap, dude, I'm I'm not any of those guys. Like, those guys are, are fantastic writers. They've been in this forever. Um, for me with Bob, it, it was quick, man. Tim Meep. I mean, simple as that. You know, both of us just trusted Tim Meep. And for Tim to put that faith in me was really encouraging. And, you know, just talking to Bob for, for 10 minutes, sitting there talking about, you know, him being at a, a park in the Dominican Republic and some drunk dude comes in starts hassling his players and then falls over because he passes out from being drunk. I'm laughing, <laughs> laughing my butt off. And I'm like, this guy, this is baseball, man. This right. is, this is grassroots. This is the baseball I like. I hate the politics and, and the, the junk of the game, this is the kind of stuff I, I enjoy. So it wasn't anything for me. And I guess, you know, I would have to say between Tim Mead, you know, that relationship that Tim built between the two of us, that really was the the building faith in, in, for both of us. And we do note that Tim Mead is the one that wrote the foreword for the book. And I mentioned Tim Mead in my author's note and, and Bob mentions, mentions Tim Mead, especially when it comes to Jimmy Abbott, you know, what Tim Mead meant to Jimmy Abbott. And, I think Tim really was the building part of this. So Taylor, tell us where we can get this book, where we can order it. How do we order it and, and all that great stuff? I got to admit, man, I, I, I checked uh, our website on Saturday morning and it popped up and I, I had no idea it was coming out on Saturday morning. So um, 
if you'd like to check it out. Uh, apparently, it is on Amazon. I, I was told it would be about two weeks before it's on Amazon, but it is on Amazon. It is called In Search of Millionaires, The Life of a Baseball Gypsy. Um, but if you want to give us a little more money in our pocket, which we're appreciative of, uh, check out iUniverse.com backslash bookstore. It's under new releases. It's, it's pretty easy to find there. Um, I think it's $20 for a soft cover, $30 for a hard cover. And then, too, I noticed it is pinned to your uh, Twitter account at Taylor Blake Ward. So, again, if you're on Twitter, make it easy. Just go to his just go to his page. And then the first tweet you see that's pinned there is a link directly to uh, buying the book. And I, for one, you know, talking to you in the past and we've always kind of talked off camera about the book that you're working on. You're working on to see it finally out there and available to purchase. It, it, it seems it's really cool. Really, really cool. I can't imagine what you're going through when you see it you know, available to buy kind of stuff. So really, really happy for you and, and really looking forward to uh, diving into it. I appreciate that, man. I mean, you know, for a lot of people, I, I you know, this has been um, two years in the making for me and a decade in the making for Bob. But, you know, about a year ago is when I started telling people uh, about this and you were one of my first calls and, and you know, the support that I've gotten from, um, you know, a lot of the, the angels brass, you know, the guys that are doing podcasts, Jared Timms and, and Brent McGuire and yourself. And, um, you know, hearing it from Dan Evans, the former general manager of the Dodgers and Bill Shaken, you know, these guys coming out and supporting this, it, it really is, it, it's an honor. And to have your work um, come out from your friends and, and your colleagues, it, it's really really uh, gets in your heart, man. And I appreciate everything you've done for, for your support of this and, and not keeping it under wraps. I do appreciate that too. <laughs> that was, I know that was tough, but I really do appreciate your support, man. I really, really do. So thank you. You know, and, and, and something that, you know, I have not talked about and, you know, hopefully you don't mind me saying this, but um, one of the first people to reach out to me after Johnny's passing was you. And, um, and it was weird too because we at that point we hadn't talked for you know four or five months or you know a little bit of time because you know stuff happens we're busy you're busy you're writing a book for God's sake um, but I really appreciate I want to put it out here now I really appreciate that 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 handout that to hey uh, I heard I just I just saw what happened and I, I, I'm thinking about you so I, that's always stuck close to me and I just really really appreciate that. You know, man, I mean, you and I have really drawn close over over our time together. And just, um, you know, Johnny was a great guy. He was a fantastic guy. And I hate using that term was, um, but but genuinely just uh, what you guys do is really remarkable. And I appreciate everything you guys do, especially you, buddy. And I miss you, man. I miss you. I can't <laughs> wait to see you at the ballpark. And, uh, you know, I know we won't be having a beer, but I'll be sitting next to you <laughs> come, come ball game. Yeah, that's definitely for sure. Again, uh, check him out. Taylor Blake Ward on Twitter. I'm sure you guys already do. If you don't, I don't know why. Uh, check out his book, In Search of Millionaires, The Life of a Base of a Baseball Gypsy. Check it out. Taylor, again, thank you. I cannot thank you enough. Uh, thank you, buddy. I want to talk about Spotify Green Room. Spotify Greenroom is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, which is free to download and free to use. You can talk to other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. 
All you need to do is download the Spotify Greenroom app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link it to your Twitter, and join. That's it. It's that easy. So go ahead and check out Spotify Greenroom. And I want to thank Taylor Blake Ward once again for jumping on again. Um, he's been on before. He's a great guy to follow. Make sure you follow him on at Taylor Blake Ward on Twitter. Uh, he's been on this podcast a couple of times. He, he knows what he's talking about. He's really, really good. And now this book that's coming out sounds great. Can't wait to, to uh, get my hands on a copy and, and start reading it. But I want to thank him again. Always, always uh, fun to have him on and talk Angels baseball. And like you heard, he knows what he's talking about with the prospects. And that's really hard to find, especially when you talk to some of the national guys or, you know, uh, the, the beat writers or the writers they're really focused on the major league squad. And so they don't necessarily know what's going on in the minor leagues as much as, as Taylor does. So he's always a great get on here. So um, again, we're going to be doing these podcasts kind of every other week. Got some guests hopefully lined up uh, coming forward. They can help us look forward to the, to the, to the next season and kind of look back a little bit on the last seat on the last part of the 21 uh, world series are in full effect. Hopefully everyone's enjoying that uh, Braves and, um astros that should be a really good series but again i want to thank taylor blake ward check out his book check out his twitter on his twitter his first uh his pinned tweet on there is a link to the book and how to get it so make sure you go check that out twitter again is at taylor blake ward i will have it in description of this podcast so with that being said i'd like to thank everyone out there for again subscribing listening please tell a friend please rate please review Um, And I am Daniel Garcia, and this has been another edition of the All Angels Podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. 
Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.